when the main remembrance about a film is the main star's loss of his wife, then you probably haven't produced a very memorable film. And so it is with The Ghoul, which is Tyburn Films, their second film, 1975. But it's linked to Hammer and Amicus and Tygon and all of that because, well, the star in question is Peter Cushing. And a few weeks after he signed on to do the film, he lost his um, his beloved wife, um, Helen, to natural causes and was and felt that he didn't want to stay, um, it's thought, uh, on this earth. Uh, he wanted to join her. And I do remember, if you can uh, ignore the appalling Jimmy Savile in Jim Will Fix It, him going on to Jim Will Fix It and asking for a rose to be named uh, after her, which I think is beautiful, actually. So that's the main background to this movie. And really, that's sort of all we have. It's a basic story. You've got a 30-something party people. Both have a race through the forest. One of the cars breaks down. He goes for for petrol, leaves his girlfriend in the car, and she feels it's a a, a forest with lots of fog, of course. Those kind of hammer, Tygon, Amicus, Tyburn films did this very well. And it's directed by Freddie Francis, so he knows what he's doing with all of this. And she goes to see if she can find help and stumbles across a house. The, um, the patriarch of which is Peter Cushing, playing Mr. Lawrence. And he plays that part with a real gentleness, a real niceness. It's Veronica Carlson who is the um, the woman who is lost, just Daphne. She um, plays it with a very kind of matinee idol look and feel. Uh, it's not really ideal. The house seems fine, except there is someone who is a housekeeper. In fact, she's not uh, an ordinary housekeeper. She is the she is Aya, and she is uh, one of the generally um, there were quite a few Ayas who had come over from from India, where um, you know English men and women had gone out there to the Raj and brought their housekeepers back, and she played by Gwen Watford, unfortunately, not completely, but sort of, not black tub, but sort of bovrilled up. It's not really ideal, but this was 1975, of course. She has uh, brought back her um, her religion, those awful foreign religions, you see. No prayer books there at all, lighting incense and incantations, and she does that regularly. Nothing wrong with that at all. What you've also got, though, is the gardener Tom Rawlings, who appears to have very little moral compass. He finds Daphne's boyfriend sleeping in the car. He's come back. He's probably got petrol. Maybe might be unleaded. Who knows? Sleeping in the car. He decides to let the brake off and push it into a ravine, smiling and laughing all the way. There really is no reason to do that, Tom. 
He has no re no real moral way to go. And as he is played by John Hurt, that's something very special here. Because he's gentle one minute and absolutely without remorse the next. He's led by his emotions and it's beautifully done. It's as if he doesn't really have any kind of... Um, he hasn't been taught what to do. None of that's in the script, of course. That's John Hurt bringing that in. You wouldn't know that in the script. Okay, so Daphne's there. Peter Cushing's very lovely. She goes to bed and wakes up to find she is being stabbed with some kind of ornate dagger. And this will be the problem in the house. Some people have got damp. Some have even got subsidence. This one has the ghoul, who lives in a room upstairs and comes down when called by the ayah. So they have to get, or the ayah has to get rid of Daphne, which she does, cutting her up. We don't see any of this. And providing, um, providing meat from her, her own, her own flesh, to the ghoul who only eats human flesh. Now, I'm not sure you'd know that because I missed that. There's a bowl placed outside his door, but it might have oxtail soup in it for all I know. However, reading around it, I've gathered this. That's Daphne gone. Her two mates start to get a bit worried, as you might expect. You see, they're not completely dissolute, this 30s lot. And they go looking for her. Oh, that's right. It's not even that. The police say he's dead. And he's sort of in a garage. The body's sort of in a garage. Be, be careful, there's not much left of him because he went over the ravine, but there's no real hospital here. She was put in a garage. It was a simpler life then, you see. But they break down as well. Do you know, these, these cars, you know, they're just, not, they're just not reliable, are they? They're separated. She goes to the house and she encounters Tom, who sexually harasses her in a rather nasty way. It's really well done by John Hurt, actually. There is no remorse, no feeling. He doesn't have any understanding why this shouldn't actually happen. He just wants something now and feels he should take it. She's discovered by Mr. Lawrence. The Ayer locks her in another room and thinks, ah, that'll be a nice supper for the ghoul. Meanwhile, Tommy's sent out to the forest to dispatch the other, the other young lead, Geoffrey. However, when running away from him, he finds himself sucked into the bog into quicksand. Jeffrey saves him and asks him to explain himself. Tom's got no uh, no moral compass, of course, so he's not thinking, I'd better not say what happened. So he admits the whole thing. Jeffrey gets to the estate and confronts Mr. Lawrence. Now, this is a lovely piece of work from Peter, who says, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not sure at all. Then they both hear the incantation. And it's almost as if Peter Cushing is standing slightly behind him. He's thinking, did he hear that? Yes, he did hear that. There's just a slight look. What am I going to do now? So, he upbraids the ire, but explains himself that he has a son. He told his wife, who is no longer with him, of course, that he would keep the son alive. Jeffrey, of course, being all manly, goes up there and is stabbed right in the middle of the head.
by the ornate knife. It's lovely. A lovely bit that. Plenty of hammer blood. They had that kind of Kensington gore mixed with something which is thick and really stands out. It's almost luminous. Gorgeous scarlet blood. Very nice. And then finally, we see the ghoul who tries to kill the other young woman, Angela, but is killed by his father. Simple story. Entertaining hokum. Quite a lot of this was was tossed out there. It was released in the United States as the Night of the Ghoul and the Thing in the Attic. And it's not your mags. It's the ghoul. And it's okay. But when it came out, people said it wasn't really scary enough. And it isn't. There are some real issues about this. Cushing, of course, gives a beautifully modulated and moderated performance as someone who has not really done wrong, but by not acting, has created havoc. Gwen Watford is a, an interesting character and an interesting actress. She, was, she never took the easy road, did Gwen Watford. She's always doing something interesting. And she's, we're not quite sure whether she is just someone who is um, continuing her heritage or whether she actually is trying to, or is linked to the ghoul and really wants these people in another country to be consumed by him. It's interesting that. And it rattles along. It doesn't give you very many subplots or any subplots. So you know what's going to happen. But it really isn't scary enough. And the main issue with this is that we tend to see the ghoul's sandaled feet walking down the stairs for some more nefarious means far too many times. And I think it's only twice. But when we see him, it's Don Henderson. Yeah, Don's a, Don was a great actor. He doesn't get much chance to do that. Shaved head green face and wearing some kind of orange chiffon toga so it looks like a bit of a nappy he actually looks like a Harry Krishnaite who's gone off slightly and become a bit rancid it's not ideal and I don't quite know what they were expecting or what they thought that would do for people. There isn't much makeup on there. You've put a bit of green on him. That's about it. And Henderson tries to do something with it in the one, well, about five minutes on camera he's got. He plays it with a sort of, um, a sort of unknowing feel, similarly to Tom. And John Hurt's another bright point in this film. As I say, he's brought all that in himself. He's not really... It's not really in the script. But a lot of people are conforming to what you'd expect. Particularly Veronica Carlson. She's, she's conforming to what you'd expect with a female lead. Um, you know, so you've, you've, you've got quite a lot of that. You've got Ian McCulloch. He's, you know, a very, very leading man dashing and all of that. But there actually is some interesting work in this. It's just a shame... It wasn't more frightening.
and really it has the feeling of a kind of a kind of tossed off film it was really difficult for Cushing to do and it's thought that on the set in the scene where he has to talk about his dead wife Freddie Francis asked him to do those takes over and over again and he was crying and some of the crew were crying and it doesn't seem appropriate and it doesn't seem like we need a fantastically gut-wrenching and emotional performance for a film like this. This is not your Oscar winner, is it? Having said that, Cushing gives a beautifully gentle performance. And looking at it through the prism of knowing what happened, you can see the anguish in him of a quiet man who's been badly hurt. It's probably three out of five, because it's good to watch on a Saturday afternoon, and there's some interesting stuff in it, but really, it just ain't scary enough. Having said that, I'll never look at a Harry Krishna singer the same again. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!